So in Mark chapter 7, verse 1, Then came together unto him the Pharisees, and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, unwashed hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come down from the market, except they wash, they eat not, and many other things there be, which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots, brazen vessels, and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? He answered and said unto them, and this is the key verse right here, well hath Isaiah prophesied of you, hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things ye do. I want to stop right there for a moment. Jesus has run up against tradition in Mark chapter 7. The Israelites had a tradition of washing hands before eating. That's, that's, that's a good idea, right? To wash your hands before you eat. You go into the restroom at the restaurant and it says all employees must wash hands before returning to work. Right? You're like, well, thank goodness they do that. Right? But we're not talking about basic hygienic principles here. This is ritualistic washing. They wash to wash. They had turned the simple act of washing your hands before dinner into a religious ritual. And the disciples didn't do the ritual. They washed their hands, I'm sure, but they didn't do the ritual. And so the Pharisees, who had turned this into a spiritual test, your spirituality was measured by whether or not you washed your hands this certain way and the disciples didn't do it. Jesus, you're running with the wrong crowd. That's what they were telling him. And Jesus said, you guys have missed the point. He confronted their hypocrisy. He called them hypocrites. What's a hypocrite? Hypocrisy is acting like you believe something that you don't believe in your heart. It's where your religion becomes about actions and not what's in your heart. That's really what hypocrisy means. You're an actor. That's literally, go back to the Greek, that's literally what it's talking about, acting. The Lyric Theater is doing a production of 9 to 5 right now. And the ladies on stage, and I'm sure there's male characters, but I don't see them in billboards. But the ladies on stage, they're not really the people they portray themselves to be on stage. They're portraying a character. Mm -hmm. All right? They're acting. 
And a lot of people today are not faithful, religious, who trust the Lord Christians. But they act like they are. They're acting. And how do they keep the act up? Through rituals, through traditions. They use the tradition to mask who they really are. And you find yourself in this situation when your religion becomes about what you do and not what's in your heart. And also, you may find yourself in this situation when your religion is about you and not about the Lord. When your religion is about your spiritual maturity, you may find yourself in this situation. Your righteousness, how good am I? How mature am I? How much do I know about the scriptures? And whether or not everybody else is measuring up to you. You know? I had a, I had a church member that complained about another church member. This years ago. Years ago. And she said, I don't believe sister so-and-so is mature as the rest of us. And I said, we got a problem. And she said, I know we got a problem. I said, no, 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 no. We have a problem. <laughs> because if we're going to make an issue out of sister so-and-so's maturity, then we'll never see sister so-and-so grow in the Lord. Your, your, your complaint here is not a valid complaint. The fact of the matter is we're all at different stages in our walk in the Lord. Amen. We're all at different stages in our understanding of the Lord. Mm-hmm. To sit here and try to say, well, I, I've got a high rank. There are no ranks in the Lord's mm-hmm. kingdom. We don't have stripes on our shoulders. Nope. We don't have ribbons on our chest. Mm-hmm. When I was in high school football, they, every, I, I played on the offensive line. Every time I knocked a defensive lineman on his back, they put a little round sticker, a little tomahawk. We were the Jacksonville Indians. They put a little tomahawk sticker on the back of my helmet. <laughs> and other, te- other teams did the same thing. You know, um, as defensive lineman got a quarterback sack, he got a little sticker. When you were going up against another team and the guy in front of you had about 1,000 stickers on his helmet, you're like, uh-oh, I'm against a bad dude here. We don't have stickers on our helmets Mm-mm. in Christianity. We don't outrank each other. All right? We don't have all-pro, all-star, most valuable player. That would be Jesus. When our religion is about us, it's about whether or not we find fulfillment in something, whether or not we are getting something out of it, and whether or not we find something offensive. You may be talking to a lost person. They may use a bad word. Now, what are you going to do? I'm offended you used a bad word. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Well, you're not going to share the gospel with them then. (laughs) You know, they're a lost person. They're going to talk like a lost person. They're going to act like a lost person. You know, so that's, this is what we're dealing with. So when, when you are a hypocrite, this is what's important to you. Now, don't bear in mind, I'm not saying that language doesn't matter. I'm not saying that how you come into the Lord's presence doesn't matter. I'm not saying that church would be chaos, Okay. But what I'm saying is, what's important to you? That's right. All this stuff I talk about, hymnals versus screens, pews versus chairs, you know, what is worn to church service? Or is what's important to us our Lord, the one that we worship, our salvation, our redemption? Now, if you know the Lord is your Savior, your speech will clean up. If you know the Lord is your Savior and you have faith in the Lord, how you do things will be affected. But if it's all about how we do it, 
what we do, then we're just like these Pharisees. Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, we gathered around for prayer during thanks, right before Thanksgiving dinner. You know the rule about prayer, bow your head, close your eyes, right? <laughs> I checked over, looked at my cousin Robert. He didn't bow his head and close his eyes. <laughs> I told on him. My grandmother said, how did you know he didn't bow his head and close his eyes? You see what we're talking about here? Yep. So in verse 6, Jesus says, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites. As it is written, the people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. The Pharisees expressed honor toward God. They would give reverence to God in their, in their words, but their hearts were actually far from him. And this was demonstrated in their regimented adherence to tradition. They needed tradition. They needed all these different little rituals and things to do and little litmus tests because it's the only way they could legitimize how they lived. It's the only way they could legitimize who they were. That's right. At the end of the day, their religion did nothing more than observe and minister to their own desires. Yeah. Not God's. Right. And certainly not each other's. By the way, we can fall into this without looking like this. That's right. When church becomes an attractional ministry, when we're concerned with whether or not we felt something today, did the pastor do something for me? Did everybody shake my hand? Was I made to feel welcome? Did, 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 did I get a blueberry donut, or did they eat all the blueberry donuts before I got to the table? You know, when... I understand the disappointment over a blueberry donut. But when that determines whether or not you're going to worship today, that's a problem. And when we as a church decide that we've got to measure up to that desire, and so we start doing things for the sole purpose of keeping people's attention and keeping them to come, we're doing the same thing. We want to be welcoming. We want to love people. We want the song service to move people. We want yes. people to get something out of the preaching and the teaching. Don't get me wrong. But when I demand that I, be, I, demand that I get something out of it, and we want to make sure that there's enough people that get something out of it to come back to put more money in the offering plate so we can pay the light bill next month, we're doing the same thing these Pharisees were doing. Amen. We have to be careful about that, right? Yes. And so Jesus, he challenges their hearts. He says, your heart is far from me. Now, traditions cannot be avoided. If you do something over and over, it will become a tradition. Yeah. If we went contemporary, got a rock band to, to sing our praise choruses with us, and, and I was given a walkout song. There's a certain song they'll play when I walk out on stage to preach. Guess what? That becomes a tradition. Mm-hmm. All right. We sing out of hymnals every Sunday morning. That becomes a tradition. The fact we sing three songs every Sunday is a tradition. If we add, if we add it to four, that's still a tradition after we've done it for a while. We sing Amazing Grace at the conclusion of service. Why do we sing Amazing Grace at the conclusion of service? It's become a tradition. Why do we do that? Because we didn't have a song leader for many years, and that's the one song that we can all sing from memory. That's right. right? Yes. It's a tradition. It's not a bad tradition. But it's a tradition. But that tradition should never replace the Lord in our heart. If Jessica ups and sings, I have decided to follow Jesus for our closing hymn. It's okay. So, tradition is not the problem. Our heart is. 
And our heart is the problem if we're focused more on the tradition than the word. Secondly, our heart is the problem if our tradition leads us away from God's commandment. And our heart is the problem if it expresses darkness. Your heart is the problem if you're more focused on the tradition than the word. In verses 7 and 8, Jesus says, Howbeit in vain or in emptiness they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. The Old Testament, the scriptures that they had in Jesus' day, the Old Testament, Genesis to Malachi, was full of God expressing his love to them. The Old Testament was full of God's promises of redemption, of God's promises of forgiveness. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God promises a redeemer through the seed of the woman. In Genesis 22, 17, he tells Abraham, through your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. In the book of Exodus, he said, I'll raise up a prophet like unto Moses. In the book of Psalms, David prays to create in me a clean heart and to renew a right spirit within me. That's what God does. In Zechariah, he said, I remember you, I remember, and I will come to you in my time. He promised to send the Messiah to him in Zechariah. All throughout the Old Testament, Isaiah 53 the righteous servant who suffers to remove the sins from the people. All throughout the Old Testament, God loves, God redeems, God forgives, restored fellowship with God. If you went to a church service led by a Pharisee in that day, you know what you'd learn how to do? Wash your hands and wash the dishes. Washing the dishes is important. But if you went to church, you would learn how to wash hands and how to wash dishes. You literally have... I lost count of the books. But you have an entire library of books telling you about God's redemption. You go to the synagogue and they teach you how to wash your hands. Yeah. If the guy next to you is not washing his hands like this, he's a sinner. Stay away from him. <laughs> what a letdown. <sighs> they were teaching people to follow their traditions. And their focus was on keeping their traditions going. Heaven help us if our focus as a church is ever wrapped up in making sure the next uh, generation uses hymnals. Heaven help us if our, next, if our main focus as a church is to make sure that Sunday school is preserved for the next generation. Worship, yes. Sunday school is a tradition. A good one, I think. Yes. But it's a tradition. Right? Heaven help us if our church's purpose ever becomes convincing people to never vote for a Democrat. All right? If you get right with God, the voting will follow. Okay? That's all I'm going to say about politics. So the question is, where is our heart? Is it okay with having our routine interrupted if God's word gets ministered? Are we okay with having our Sundays turned upside down 
if someone gets saved. If someone is comforted. When we get together, what do we spend our time talking about? God's word? Church growth? Personal growth? Politics? Sports? Do I dare ask how the... No, no okay. Our relationship with... It's okay to talk about sports. Brother Wayman and I do it all the time. Yeah. Brother Wayman and I also talk about the Lord and the word uh, quite a bit too. Do we talk about our relationship with God or what God wants us to do? Are we concerned with how things look or what others will think? Our lives, church, and purpose should be gospel-centered. Trust in the love that Christ has for you. Teach others that Jesus loves them. Love others. If we don't, we run the danger of putting the tradition before God. Your heart is the problem. If your tradition leads you away from or distracts from God's commandment. Okay, now it brings up a question. What is God's commandment? Alright, because Jesus said uh, that laying aside the commandment of God, the commandment, singular, of God, ye hold the tradition of men. What's the commandment? Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 through 40. Man comes up to Jesus and says, Master, what, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Catch this one. On these two commandments, love God, love your neighbor. Yes. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Yes. In other words, when you take that Old Testament and you boil it down to its core, it's teaching you to love God and to love others. Amen. We are to love our neighbors. Yes. Lawyer walks up to Jesus and goes, well, <laughs> who is my neighbor? Because you know, I mean, I, you know, neighbors, people that look and act like me, that's my neighbor. I love him. All right? The guy that doesn't look and act like me that votes for the other political party, is he really my neighbor? And Jesus said, let me tell you a story. There is this good Samaritan. Turns out the neighbor was the very guy the Pharisee would have rejected. Yeah. Jesus said, love your neighbors. He also said to love your enemies. Matthew 5, 44-45, by saying to you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Yeah. Your enemies are your opponents. Yeah. All right? These are business competitors. This is the person at work that's trying to get you fired. This is who you're up against for the promotion. This is the person that's running around behind your back gossiping about you and telling stories. Your enemies. Jesus says, love them. Do good to them. Pray for them. Why? One, that they'll be converted. But two, in Matthew 5, 45, he says that you may be the, chil the children of your Father which is in heaven. Yes. See, God loved us when we were still, our, when we were still his enemies. Amen. But now, if you know Jesus as your Savior, you are a child of God. 
And what Jesus said basically was to reflect who your father is. Yes. Live up to your father's name. We, we, we got these children. And I remember taking them to their first day of school living in my household. My household. Listen at me. <laughs> and I told them, y'all are carrying my name into this school building. Yeah. All right? And for the moment, it's a good name. I said, so the teachers are going to give you a benefit of a doubt. I said, make sure you live up to it. Because if the teacher ever gets the idea that you're not good, you'll never recover. <laughs> you know, did your, did your parents ever teach you that, you know, to uphold your family's name? Mr. Billy Bennett, one of my landlords at one time, told me all you really have in life is your name. Mm -hmm. right, well, we carry forth God's name. Yeah. Why do we love our enemies? Because we represent our Father. Amen. And our Father loves our enemies. Yes. And so to be in line with him, we love our enemies. Love your neighbor. Love your enemies. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes. Jesus said that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Yes. But the Pharisees' tradition didn't do this. They didn't love God. They loved their traditions. Yeah. They would fight, kill, and die to protect their traditions. Mm -hmm. But they wouldn't do that for God. Mm -hmm. You know why? You know how I know this? Book of John, Sanhedrin's having a meeting. Caiaphas says, hey, listen, if we don't get this Jesus thing under wraps, the Romans are going to fire us all. <laughs> so it's best for us that Jesus dies. Son of God should die so they could keep their jobs. Mm -hmm. They were more interested in keeping their traditions mm -hmm. than they were seeing the Son of God take his throne that day. Yes. They had fight, die, and kill for their traditions. They wouldn't do it for God. In verses 11 through 13, Jesus tells a story of how he knows that their traditions lead them away from the commandment of God to love. Because the commandment was to honor your father and your mother which we always tell our kids means to obey us. Yeah. But really what it means to honor your father and your mother goes beyond obedience to your father and mother. It means when your father and mother are getting old, you take care of them. You look after them. You make sure they are cared for, that they are provided for. Isn't that a beautiful thing? That's how, that's how it's supposed to work. It doesn't many times. But the way it's supposed to work is parents bring a child into the world. Parents nurture and teach a child. And they provide for that child. That child becomes an adult. That child provides for himself then. That child then begins to teach and nurture his own children. But then the day comes when mom and dad can no longer care for themselves. So guess what? The child returns the favor. Yes. And cares for mom and dad. Amen. Until God calls them home. Yes. It's the way it should work. It doesn't many times. Our, our world is broken. That's the way it should work. These Pharisees, they weren't doing that, and a lot of people don't. But what made it particularly bad when the Pharisees didn't do it was they found a religious reason to not to. They would just say, it is Corbin, What is to say it is a gift. What does that mean? This Pharisee would be an upper-middle-class American today, making a pretty close to a six-figure salary. And instead of taking care of his mom and dad, he would say, sorry, Mom and Dad, I've dedicated all my money to the Lord. It all goes to God, and that's just, that's just more important. So I'm going to let you starve and die because I'm giving all my money to the church. 
That's what they would do if they were alive in today's day. That's what they were doing in their day. And Jesus said, your tradition is teaching you to lay aside God's commandment to love others and to honor your father and your mother. That's a problem. When our tradition hinders our love for others, our heart is the problem. If we are more concerned with the numbers on the board, we don't have a board, good. All right, when we're more concerned with our attendance figures than we are the individuals who make up those attendance figures, our heart is not right. When we see others as opponents or competitors instead of a mission field, our heart is the problem. Again, when it's about me and not leading others into God's grace, our heart's a problem. When it's about my Facebook following and not about if I've ministered God's word to anybody, my heart's a problem. The great commandment is to love. Amen. Love God, love others. Yes. But if our religion is stopping us from doing that, yes. we've got a heart problem, yes, and our heart is turning away from the Lord. Yes. Our heart is the problem if our lives express darkness. In verses 14 through 18, Jesus talks about eating, because the criticism is your disciples are eating with dirty hands. They're eating with unwashing hands and Jesus says that don't hurt you. Alright? What goes into your mouth does not defile you. Right. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. Because what comes out of your mouth comes out of the heart. And in verses 20 through 23, Jesus points out a lot of things that are in your heart that can come out of your mouth. And these are not good things. In verse 21, he says, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, sexual immoralities, immoral sexual fantasies, murder. You ever hate somebody? You ever hate anybody? I have. You ever hate anybody to the point, y'all are going to fire me for this. Yes, I preacher thinks that we've got to get rid of this guy. You ever been thinking that you hate somebody so much that if you were driving through the Walmart parking lot and you saw them walking to their car that there might be an accident that day? <laughs> you ever hate anybody like that? I have. I'm not going to tell you who. Y'all don't know them. But I'm still not going to tell you who. That would be a, that would be a terroristic threat. I think that's a felony. Um, murders, all right? By the way, he's talking to preachers. Um, thefts. But leave the Jeep alone. Covetousness. This is wanting what others have. Yeah. All right? Covetousness. Deceit. Lasciviousness. An evil eye. Yes. Blasphemy. Pride. Foolishness. All these evil things come from within. That's what defiles the man. What's it mean to be defiled? It means that your relationship with God is herewith estranged. Yes. So what's in your heart? Yes. What are you thinking about day to day? You think about these things? 
Are you thinking about God's word? Your love for him, your love for others. That's what it's about. If, our, if we're thinking about these things that Jesus mentioned, the deceit, the murders, the immoralities, if we're thinking about what we can get out of this deal, if we're thinking about how we can advertise ourselves as being more holy, advertise ourselves as being better, more enlightened, we have a vision. And not about what God actually wants us to do. Our heart's the problem. Mm-hmm. I picked a book up off the shelf of family Christian bookstores here about 10 years ago. I missed bookstores. They were so much fun to shop in, weren't they? Yes. Mm-hmm. And the premise of the book, it was, it was a book by a guy that took one of his lost friends to several different churches. They went to a small country church, a mega contemporary church, an old traditional liturgical Protestant denomination. They visit all kinds of churches. As we're visiting these churches, his lost friend says, is this really what God told y'all to do? And he didn't have an answer. And as I'm reading that book, I didn't have an answer either. Because while God wants us to worship in spirit and in truth, in song and in preaching of the word and in teaching of the word, yes. his commandment for us is not just to follow this regiment of church services. His commandment to us is to love him and to love others. Amen. The question is, are you as an individual willing to lay aside tradition in order to do that? Yes. Are we as a church willing to make loving God and loving others our priority? Or must we preserve the traditions first? I believe the blessing of this church is we haven't been around long enough to have those deeply ingrained traditions. But if we don't watch ourselves, we'll develop them. Yes. Let's stand and sing.